Alvarez. One for James to run after. Too much on it, Stuart. Well, this must be it. We've had six minutes of stoppage time. He's gone quick from halfway. Oh, amazing! Unbelievable! Scott McTominay brings the house down. And Manchester United in the Manchester rain are going to do the double over City for the first time in a decade. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Pundit 3 and a Pint where a couple of average blokes are having above average football conversations. Joining me on the podcast today is Vaishnav, Akshat and Poe. And let's get straight into it guys. I have two words to describe the topic for today and those are bragging rights. If you've still not got what we're trying to say here, we're going to be talking about football rivalries and uh, derbies that we see in the world of football. There's so many of them. We love them. We are, they're the fixtures that we look out for when the fixture list is released at the start of the calendar. Um, I'm going to bring Akshat into this topic uh, because I think he's pretty excited with what he has to say. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I truly love watching derbies. And not just derbies of Manchester United or BFC, who I support, but any derbies um, uh, around the world. And it's just something special about watching a set of fans support a team and hate another set of fans who support another team and watching them go together, go against each other. It's just something special. And you really feel that atmosphere. You feel that real hatred between the two sets of fans, which absolutely makes the football match that much more exciting, that much more electric. Now, um, obviously, I mean, rivalries and derbies, most of them have to do with clubs who are part of the same city or in the same location, right? And that gives the bragging rights the people who you work with, the people even in your own family might be supporting two separate teams. So you winning over that team gives you that much more satisfaction, right? Because it's with people around you. But there are also like a lot of derbies and, and the ones which I'm really drawn to or interested in are the ones which have to do with things beyond just two clubs sharing the same city. One of the examples which I want to bring up is the rivalry between uh, Mohan Bagan and East Bengal in India. This is literally the oldest football rivalry in Asia, right? And uh, what makes it so special is that it's it's not just them fighting over the love of the most football crazy city in India, which is Kolkata. Um, they have such a deep-rooted antagonistic relationship with each other from history. They have divisions based loosely on religion, loosely on culture, loosely on the way um, the, the players or the supporters of the families and the ancestry they belong to. So Mohan Bagan was actually the first real professional club in India formed in 1889. And it actually became somewhat of um, a part of our freedom movement, right? And um, there's a very interesting story. I know you. I don't know if you guys have watched Lagan or not, but Mohan Bagan literally lived the Lagan story where they were one of the first uh, Indian teams to defeat a colonial British team in a tournament. And it's just amazing to hear about that. So uh, Mohan Bagan kind of, has its roots in the uh, Indian nationalist movement, in um, the more uh, West Bengal, like modern-day West Bengal, Bengalis, Hindus' uh, roots, right? Whereas East Bengal was formed a little bit later, I think in 1920, if I'm not mistaken. And they were basically formed, and um, the fan culture was more around the immigrants who were coming in from today, Bangladesh, that day, East Bengal. So that was a little bit more immigrant-centric. That was a little bit more uh, Muslim-centric. And even today, right, if you just see some of the videos, 
you can see the that all of the fans they they still hold those core values to heart and that really uh, when they come together in these matches that really you can see that passion that it's not just a football match for them it's a reflection of who they are as people of what their values are what their culture is and that is the amount of emotion which which is put forward in those matches and um, i was just watching a video and one of the ex players was saying that um, if you perform well in one derby you're okay for the next 5 years the, the fans will not hate you because you've already become a hero in their eyes and that that's what it means to these supporters so uh, i just love you know rivalries like that which have to do a little bit more than just two you know clubs just 10 miles away from each other or or just you know who's going to finish top the premier league this season that's something which is really historically rooted and i mean this is just one example i think i've mentioned this before but the direct comparison that this derby has with the old firm in scotland with celtics and uh, celtic and rangers and yeah i mean that's just something which really draws me because there's always something extra at stake and it's not just a football match which you're watching yeah um i love the fact that uh, you know you've related this somehow um in a way to say that football transcends over time and no matter which era you're staying in or you're living in that one particular fixture is what's going to be um really popular for everyone or uh, whichever club you support now when we are having such brilliant matches the north london derby was yesterday we're having the manchester derby coming in a week um it's sort of like this whole package right with the derby you get to see the promos almost 2 3 weeks before showing the date that okay today is the derby day you start getting excited for it then as a fan you're going to go and uh, a week before the derby you're going to see where the positions are of both the teams how many goals they've scored what will happen if we beat city for example um so there's a lot of hype that goes around even before the game starts and uh, then once the game starts as you said the atmosphere is scintillating right i mean even as something as simple as the ball going out of play is cheered so loudly in the stadiums of a derby derby game it's as though you know a goal has gone in so i mean there's a lot at stake uh, at the end of the day it means a lot to the local people that their team uh, win and then they can go out on the streets and celebrate um Vaishnav had the chance to go for one of the biggest derbies in the world um, i think it it has to still be the game of the season that's the el clasico and i'm sure he's really excited to tell you guys his experience yeah thanks so much for bringing me in i was a little too excited uh, i mean i guess listeners could check it on the you know our instagram page but i've got my el clasico scarf right behind me on the wall and it's 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 there it's not going anywhere so i mean i'm obviously a united fan as any listener would know by now i'm been watching united play for the for a bit of better part of my life and i haven't been watching that much spanish football but being a european football fan the two names you know are real madrid and barcelona and a lot of my friends growing up have been barca real fans like po you're sort of a barca fan yourself aren't you so a lot of guys if not just supporting the clubs these clubs are so big that if even if you're an arsenal fan if you're a liverpool or if you're a united fan a lot of times since the allegiances don't cross you're you're okay to support a la liga team and a lot of times it's a barcelona or real madrid i mean no many people support atleti <laughs> but uh, it's it's i think it's firstly it's probably one of my like the greatest experience of my life probably honestly like it it cannot be compared like 
I mean, we were talking about going to BFC games on the last episode, and that's a beautiful emotion in itself. Being able to feel your city come to life for a couple of hours at night is absolutely magnificent. <clears throat> But I mean, of course, it there's you can't compare it, right? The Bonapaya seats like I think seventy five or eighty thousand people, and it is packed, like packed to the brim for the classico. So I'll just walk you guys through my experience, which is just. A dude coming from JP Nagar in Bangalore, going to Kaya de Sarano, where that uh, Santiago Bernabeu is, and seeing the pandemonium pandemonium unfold is just—I'm getting chills right now. So I—I I think the game was at nine thirty, because I got home by like one. So I think it was at nine thirty or eight thirty, and this is the one that Madrid wins two nil. Um, Mariano scores, and forget who scores the first goal. I think Vinicius scores. Benzema, I think. No, no, no. I think it's Vinicius, bro. I don't remember, but Mariano scores the second goal. He scores a winner, like to settle the game, basically. When was this? <clears throat> this was the last El Clasico beer in front of fans. Ah, March. Okay. No, no, no. Feb twenty eighth or Feb twenty seventh. But whatever. <laughs> Those are semantics, right? So, I walk you guys through the entire process. Is uh, I'm at I'm at home, obviously, a couple beers, couple drinks. So. the entire experience is so cool because it's not it's it's not just the 90 minutes like you guys said it's it's so much cooler than that because i remember going there by i used to use the metro every day to get to uni and this stop the bernabeu stop was two stops after my uni and i've used that line like 50 times there is no one on that line dude it's dead i could not enter the metro station that evening this is two and a half to three hours before kick off okay and where i live was about like 45 minute a walk from the actual stadium so a lot of people from where i live just walk to the stadium a lot of them didn't take the metro cuz obviously they're locals and they're smarter than me but what i'm trying to say is from wherever like 5 6 kilometers from the stadium that's where the procession start that's where the bars start getting filled up and people start moving like this one single organism to that stadium and it sends just sends chills down my spine because you're walking in the street and you've got people setting off flares and shouting puta catalonia and all sorts of you know uh, <laughs> just profanity just spanish profanity that i can't fully understand and just there's this street right opposite the bernabeu and it goes straight down for at least like half a kilometer right it's just like a straight stretch of road all you can see on that stretch of road is people in white shirts for me to walk in there and take my seat which was also incredible i paid like so much money for that ticket <laughs> but to get right behind the <laughs> yeah yeah dude the problems of an indian immigrant in europe man holy shit but whatever anyways i was sitting at one of the ends and not at the white walls end but you just sit there and <sighs> the palpable hate man an entire from 5 to like 85 years old everyone looking at pk and saying puta 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 pk puta and like you know shakira jokes left right and center and i'm just sitting there <laughs> and i'm just looking and it's it's not something you can understand it's it's man it's just chills dude it's insane it's lovely and to see messi play oh something else dude um just uh, just a week after vaishnav went for the classico i had the fortune to go for another derby which was the manchester derby between united and city that happened at old trafford um but interestingly one day before that i also got to go for another premier league game at anfield liverpool against burnmouth so of course i mean anfield is one of the loudest places that you could ever go to and when they sing you'll never walk alone the the hair on my hands is literally like standing up even though i'm a united fan and i absolutely hated it but the game itself you know was was flat because it's liverpool burnmouth liverpool completely dominated 
um but then the next day um going for the going for the manchester derby i decided to leave my hotel at about uh, 10 9:30 10 a.m because it was a 1 o'clock kickoff and uh, there's this really famous bar called bishop's blaze uh just opposite old trafford and it's where all of the oldest united fans who who are the locals basically come there to drink before a game and just sing all they do is sing for two and a half to three hours they're just drinking beers singing songs not only about the current players and the manager but i heard songs about van nistelrooy wayne rooney cantona and george best and what not so it was a really good vibe i had to wait for a really long time in the line just to get into the bar uh and chill with these guys and then you know you're meeting different people i met a guy from ireland and he's like we're all one family so let's let's sing and dance together and you know it's 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 very welcoming and obviously we were in a good run of form that time so bruno had just come in and he had already started doing what bruno does um and then we start walking towards the stadium and the tradition is you know you go down the matt busby way that's the road uh that leads to old trafford and that road was packed you could only see red and everyone are singing there's not one person who's quiet there are people playing the drums there are people playing an instrument they're banging bottles if they don't have anything enter the stadium um, i had to walk up three flights of stairs before i could actually go in uh, and luckily enough i was sitting right next to the stratford end so it is the loudest part of the stadium by far those guys are just wild and um, the game was was tense is what i could say you could feel that tension in the atmosphere because city absolutely dominated us they were they had the ball for most of the game we created very few chances but uh, the bruno uh, free kick where he clips it over the wall and anto goes and scores just before just before half time it was really unexpected uh, i mean it's only when that end uh realize that the ball had gone in the net is when the entire stadium you know like suddenly burst into into shouts and screams uh because it happened so suddenly but that last minute goal by mctominay i mean that i still watch those videos and i get chills down my spine because inject that into my veins dude my god <laughs> yeah that, that particular moment like those the, that phase of the game in the last 7 8 minutes city were absolutely thrashing us i mean Edison was playing somewhere in the midfield and uh, it really looked like they were going to score. Uh we our players were tired, Marshall was barely putting a shift in. And then Scott goes and does that and I could I mean I I couldn't hear some anything for a while, you know. It was just it was just a blur. All I could see was everyone jumping off their seats, falling down, screaming, hugging each other. And uh in fact when I went back and watched the highlights I heard the commentator say that uh, he's not heard old trafford like this in the past 10 15 years or so like this loud and just to experience that was well, i don't think it would have happened if it was any other game other than united city and someone scores a last minute decide a goal uh moving on uh, po had a uh ha- has something to say about the north Lond- london derby which didn't really go well for him yesterday sadly but yeah before i speak about the like the ill-fated north london derby i i was just i just wanted to mention that i got goosebumps man like just listening to you guys sharing your experiences of these great matches that you've been to goosebumps legit but that's the thing right uh, we as football fans strive to go and watch these kind of games those are like one of the most top things in our bucket list right i mean not just the derbies that you've mentioned but like derbies like the milan derby and like 
uh, Dortmund versus Bayern or even Boca Juniors versus River Plate in Argentina. Those kind of places are stuff that dreams are made of, especially on these occasions. Uh, you guys were also really lucky that you guys got to see this when fans were at full capacity. I mean, one thing that I noticed yes, in yesterday's game was although Tottenham fans made loads of noise, but like it was still only 2,000 fans, right? So it wasn't the same hostility towards all the players like that they normally experience. So I think derbies need the essence of fans. That's the most important thing that makes a derby is what I feel like. More than, like I don't want to talk about the North London derby from yesterday because it was a horrible experience. But yeah, it's just amazing to see a game of that level and the hate among the fans, even though there were only 2,000, they were making so much noise. So it was still a fun watch, that's it. Yeah, I just so firstly, I would like to say, Poe, I mean, you just bad luck, dude. If we recorded this episode next week, three of us would have been very happy about the result. So uh, what I wanted to say is like, you guys described that really well, especially when Akshat talked about, you know, Mon Bagani's Bengal, when, you know, experiencing a derby or just watching one on the television, however you're experiencing it, like we've all watched football games, right? We've all watched like, I mean, derby is what two games in a 38 game long season, right? So we've seen 36 other games. You know, there is something different. And Amar watched his team play, which is Manchester United because he's a massive fan and watched them play honestly not that great, right? Now, we, like in hindsight, we know that they didn't have the greatest game. I'm sure they lost on XG and all the various stats. But at the end of the day, I don't think that really mattered to Stratford End, right? The fact that it was 2-0 and that you got bragging rights, like you said at the start of the episode, that's all that matters. And I think that's what's so cool about, you know, these rivalries and derbies because just like Amar said, Ball goes out of play, people are cheering. Player miscontrols the ball, people are cheering. Player goes down, gets booked to yellow for diving, crowd goes wild. So, like, it's just these small things that are sort of, you know, no one really cares about it as much in other games. Not that they don't. I mean, there are a lot of boisterous crowds around the world. But small things, right? A crunching, a hard crunching challenge in a derby is met with so much, you know, approval it's met with as much approval as almost a goal is met you know it's just like it is the emotion it's what it was what the fans want to do to each other so it's like it's on point and and i think that emotion is that's what gives sport that jeopardy and that high stakes right having that super you know you tie so many different emotions to that 190 minutes of football and everything is therefore escalated that much higher and i think that's so cool it's just like it's like an adrenaline rush even to watch a game it's so cool yeah, I mean, whatever you've said, um, it, it makes sense. But I just have another point, and I'd actually like want Poe's opinion on this because it, it's something which I noticed um, yesterday in the North London derby. I mean, I don't want you to talk too much about that; it might be painful. But still, it, we've all already used the word hatred because, to be honest, I think that is the fuel for a good rivalry. Hatred is the fuel. It's maybe not a very positive word to use, but in this context, it is right. And um, we've to- we spoke about how much it means to the fans and the whole experience around a match day, right, for a rivalry. Um, but to make the football, the 90 minutes, as you say, great, I firmly believe that some of that hatred needs to be ingrained in the players itself. It's not just enough to have, you know, the crowd um, involved. You need to have some of the players, not some, actually all of the players feeling it. And um, the one rivalry or that one era which I think of 
um is the, the sir alex ferguson era when there were so many homegrown players in that team right manchester players um who came in from the academy obviously class of 92 we know all of that and there was this one session of when gary neville was explaining how it felt like playing in at, at anfield when he, he also used the word hatred it was just pure hatred for the other team um but for me like what i saw yesterday from that arsenal versus spurs performance especially from arsenal side i didn't see that you know that spark in the players or that extra commitment extra 15 20% which the players are giving in for the derby so i just i don't know like what do you think about that especially you know since it's fresh in your mind you're you're spot on akshay i mean like none of these players like they know they i don't think none of them know what it means to play for arsenal in that particular game because uh, you mentioned the period of so uh, like the period of dominance from sir, sir alex and i mean i wanted to come back to the uh, the point where like i wanted to mention 1996 to 2006 when wenger and sir alex went head and head to head like fought so hard and i mean i think i mean they even took took to the press conference to fight so many times so like there's this part where theory onry mentions that when he initially came to arsenal the entire back four i mean that entire back four was comprised of like english center back like english players it it had so uh, tony adams it had nigel winterburn it had lee dixon those people took him to the side like and threatened him and told him what it means to actually play in a game of this level so i mean you need players to pass it down from one generation to the other as well i'd say and i don't see any particular player in the arsenal dressing room having that sense of responsibility and carrying that weight on his shoulders and passing it on yeah I think yesterday in in yesterday's game the commentator mentioned as well that Saka it's nice to have a Londoner play the game because I think he was the only one who play, as a like player born in London who played the game yesterday uh, apart from Eddie and Ketia who came on much later so I mean we don't see players of the local region playing the game anymore like it's really hard for them to get into the team so I think even that takes away some of the animosity in the game I'd say like among the players Uh yeah um that's that's very interesting but i think it ha- largely has to come down to the fact that i mean the stadiums are not full um that really adds to you know the the players aggression is one thing um and secondly is and i've spoken about uh, to a lot of locals as well about this so they say that when it's when the derby day is coming drawing when you're drawing towards the derby day you can see that the city is divided into two for that one week you clearly have a set of united fans and city fans just before a manchester derby probably would have started happening right now as well and uh, when what i had experiences when i came out of the airport i decided to wear my united scarf to say that yes i am in manchester and i was thrashed at the airport there were so many people of all ages both men and women either have come and told me they've they've given me a high five and they're like yeah we're going to win or some of them are very like um blatantly threatened me that take that thing like take it off your fucking chest right now before we strangle you and this is as i said old people so there was like a 75 year old guy who was using a fucking walking stick and he is coming and telling me this that take it off before i i hit you with my walking stick <laughs> i'm like okay i'm sorry let me do that and even after the game you could see that the only people you'll find outside are united fans if united have won or if city have won you'll find only city fans outside either going to a bar for a, for a drink for a nightcap or having dinner the teams that the, the fans of the team that has lost they just disappear into the darkness and and go back home it's done for them then they wait till the next derby um also what we've realized is you know there are some teams that 
cannot compete against the top uh, we're seeing a different ac milan this season but in all of these years with ac and inter juventus was just unbeatable right so for them it that derby became even more important for the fans and for the players for the fans in the sense that okay if you're not winning the title at least let us be the best team in milan at least let us be the best team in lazio with rome and lazio what I, i just wanted to add to what you said about the milan thing i mean it i can't imagine how heated it must get especially when you share a stadium imagine how how they divide half of that stadium to allocate each set of fans is really thinking about it is really trippy i don't think it works that way though it's it's 80 20 so one at one fixture it'll be 80 inter and 20 milan and oh like oh yeah but But, but no but in the uh, in the mohan bagan east bengal there was in 97 the highest ever uh, attended football match in asia was when they didn't they couldn't obviously in india you can't do the 80 20 <laughs> thing i mean there's no like stands and all that right so there were a you mean they're all stands <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, there were 130000 people who watched that game fuck and um, i mean it just show, shows right like if <laughs> you can't control that kind of stuff uh, in india at least it must be chaos by the way that game ended with a baichin bhutia hat trick imagine scoring a hat trick for 130000 people it must be on another level only and and when we when we were talking about players and rivalries right i mean um, for some players you know that you know how much it means to them for example yesterday uh, was it yesterday when jamie wadi scored the winner against <laughs> against uh, sheffield united and he is gone and <laughs> obliterated the corner flag because he is a sheffield wednesday fan from his childhood <laughs> sheffield wednesday is nowhere in the picture but he was playing sheffield united he hated them so i mean in some way or the other with every player there's that one club and it's going to affect you at some time in your life but i don't think players get it amar nowadays i'm not sure you can say that bro like i i i know what you mean man i i completely get what you mean let me let me just complete what i wanted to say So what I am referring to is the Sol Campbell uh, Campbell incident. That transfer from one rival to another, I don't like. It's football, and it's horrible to even imagine someone doing that. I mean, so at that point, you got to think: what does it actually mean to these players, right? Like, is it all just a way to get a paycheck, or whether it actually means something? Because Sol Campbell was a Tottenham boy through and through. Yeah, so but I mean, you could say the same thing with a lot of players, right? Ashley Cole. Uh, Ronaldo, Figo. There's so many players who you know crossed enemy Carlos lines. Carlos Tevez. Tevez doesn't count. Fuck him. Tevez doesn't count. <laughs> Fuck him. Please don't put him in the same echelon as Ronaldo and all. It's all good, bro. You can go to City and fuck off. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's really rude of the players to do this. Even though as an Arsenal fan, I'm saying this. I love the fact that he actually moved from Tottenham to Arsenal. But it's kind of rude, though. You gotta admit, like I don't. I see. I'm not sure how. Like as a professional footballer, like I completely get it. Okay, so I've not not had the fortune of watching Vieira and Roy Keane go toe to toe, and I think I've missed out on some of the greatest midfield battles that have ever graced the sport because I didn't watch football at that time. It's too young to. too young to appreciate that at least because they were literally throwing pizza at each other and beating the hell out of each other and so there is that extreme right where you roy keen turned into a different animal for that game so did viera so did a lot of players one player that really comes to mind is drogba you put the man in a crunch situation the man scores a goal and that's all that matters to fans so when you say stuff like you know the, i don't think these players care 
I don't think they care either as much. But when there are eighty thousand people calling the other guy a wanker, you call him a wanker too. So it's like it's tribalism, right? You when you're an Arsenal lad, even if you're a Chelsea fan as a kid, like imagine Jadon Sancho, who's apparently a massive Chelsea fan. Now if Liverpool and City want in for him, he's probably going to go there because he's probably going to win the league, right? Now it's the practicalities of life, so you can't always. I mean. Jamie Vardy is a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but I'm sure he doesn't want to be playing for Sheffield Wednesday, right? I mean, they're in League Two. He'd rather be playing for Leicester and writing history with them. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, I get what you're saying completely. That sometimes there's no romance in football, but the truth is there is no romance in football, right? At the end of the day, you represent the club you represent, and you try to do your level best to represent them. So I don't feel any animosity there. I mean, it sucks when players, you know. I just told Tevez to fuck off. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a hypocrite, but I mean. Of course, it sucks to see players cross enemy lines and do it. So you know, like I think the the most gentlemanly way it was done was Giroud because it didn't seem like a cunt move. It just seemed like you know you didn't want him. So okay, I'll move on. I'm a professional and I'm not going to make drama here. I'll, like it was an ulterior motive, right? Like we had to move Giroud to Chelsea so that Bacho I can go to Dortmund, Oba can come right. from Dortmund. Right, to right, of course, of course, of course, right. You were moving things around, which I completely get. But that's what I said, right? It's it's like the practicality of the sport. So you can't like, I'm not going to hold it against Tevez for leaving United because he had problems with the board, he had problems with Fergie, he had problems with the players. You can't hold it against a lot of players for leaving clubs and going to other clubs, even though they might not have supported them or have been in their rivals before. But I think what you said is super true. Like whether there were a lot of fans in the stadium yesterday or not, I'm noticing this as a Manchester United fan as well. A lot of players don't share the same culture and sentiment as players would like as little as five or ten years ago, and that for me is a little worrying. Another thing, just the last thing I wanted to add is. Poor talking about how it's nice to see a London lad play in the North London derby in Bukayo Saka, who's a ma- he's just a world beater prospect. Another world beater prospect to watch play in the Manchester derby when Rashford sat Demichelis on his ass and got him subbed off. <laughs> I have, I was done as a United fan. I was like, yeah, cool, I'm good. Then the man went on to feed kids, but like just the small things that you do, and imagine how much pride his like. Entire family and everyone around him felt in that moment, right? So it's like so much more than the sport. But I guess it only these sort of players have that connect, and maybe not a you know a foreign product. Maybe doesn't understand the culture as much. You may be a bigger man, but I would never forget Adebayo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yo. That that's just that's not that, that's just being a dick, dude. <laughs> no, no, but but I I actually okay. I don't say I agree with Adebayo because that was I think pushing it too far. But the way I look at it is that see fans hating like as a Manchester United fan hating Liverpool or hating Manchester City is a three sixty five day job. Okay, like you wake me up in the middle of the night, I will tell you I hate Manchester City. Of course, right? I don't think we can expect the same amount of animosity from the players. What matters to me is that in those ninety minutes, that player has to hate Manchester City and Liverpool as much as I as I do for the rest of the year. So, um, like the the incident which I remember. So this is one guy who is not grown up anywhere near Manchester United, right? But when Manchester City had all but won the league, with they were two nil up, we came back, we won the match three two, and when Ander Herrera spat on the Manchester City badge, right? He became a Manchester-born local, lived there for 25 years of his life, grew grew up hating. See, that's what he became in my eyes because 
he showed that animosity which i want to see right after that let him leave let him go to city also but i'll always remember how much he gave for the club at that particular time so i don't care as much about tevez leaving to city but had tevez when he played for united said fuck you to city multiple times i would have been happy you know that that's that's where how i look at it uh sorry yeah before we close i just wanted to bring in one thing although i really hate tottenham i'm like i'm lucky i'm sort of lucky that they they're never in, like i don't think they're going to win the league or they haven't won the league so long so i'm really happy about that one I, why i bought this up okay guys listen i bought this up because this is going to be a hard question for you guys Oh, that like, way, yeah. yeah, that way. When your so, rival is better yeah, than you. Yeah, no, I, I didn't want to like. I'm not talking about current motives. I'm talking about I'm talking about the moment when they won the first like Premier League trophy. That snatching it away from you lot. So I wanted to know how that felt. I mean, this has been very well documented, but still, I just wanted your faces and your expressions too. I started crying. Same, I cried too. Wow. And I was I remember I was watching this game in uh, TGIF in Minakshi Mall. that's a pretty depressing situation man just so the listeners have some context amar was watching this in a mall uh, that's named after a temple so i don't know how, how much optimism that inspires but i was watching it at home and i started crying and then my mom came in and asked what happened cuz she thought something serious happened and i'm like yeah we lost and then she's like what's wrong with you when she went back to the kitchen and and actually i'm i i think i'm having ptsd with that as well because in the background if someone's watching a football video and i hear uh, peter diori is going aguero i just get up and oh, I, i can't don't say it don't say i just get up and i yeah yeah oh uh, so give us give us like 6 6 months po i'll ask you the same question when spurs have won the title this season <laughs> fuck you don't say that amar just to get get one over him don't say that bro <laughs> um yeah so those are some really interesting points so uh, especially with the players you know not feeling that same animosity but that's the beauty of the fixture right like any derby it's not for all the players uh, it's for the fans and a team can change in 3 years you'll have a completely new 11 on that field but it's always going to be the same atmosphere it's always going to be the same feeling it's always going to be the same uh, uh, same hatred i mean that and that's beautiful that's why we love the sport um we're coming to the end of this podcast thank you listeners uh, for uh, getting till here um if you have any thoughts or recommendations please feel free to reach out to us on instagram and if you want to feature in any of the episodes you can do that as well thank you guys